Welcome to another pint with Shawnee B coming to you from London again, where all the major things happen in the world. I have a very interesting conversation about to happen here with one of the top talents for techno house sound in London right now. He has been told that he has a talent for beats, grooves and sound design that few can match. And his name is El Prevost. Yep. I'm welcoming to the podcast a man who I really have spent a couple of hours trying to understand this whole area because it's not my bailiwick. And this is what A Pint with Shawnee B is all about, me learning as well as anything else. So welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you for having me, Sean. Not at all. What's your background? You are from London? Yeah. Born in Hammersmith. My mum took me and my brother and moved us to South East London, where I've pretty much been based for the majority of my life now. I'm quite sure I'd have turned out quite different if I'd have not been taken away from, right. from my dad, but right. that's how things they go. They separated, yeah? Yeah, they separated. Well, yeah, my mum just sort of, um, he went to work one day and she took me and my brother while he was at work. Oh, okay. He come back to an empty house. That wouldn't have gone have down too well. quite stressful for yeah. him, yeah. Yeah, and that was it. So I've been based in South East London. Are you still in touch with your old man? No, well, my dad passed no, away several years ago, but he passed away at the age of 93. He was like been through a war, been a prison guard, and said he killed people in the war, which I was quite shocked about, <laughs> and all sorts of stuff. But he was quite a hard He was West in World Indian. War Two, was he? Yep. Yeah. Fighting. Right. He was Dominican. Right, okay. His uh, dad um, was Dominican, and my mum is Irish... Armenian and all sorts of other really? mixes. Yeah, quite a strange character, my mum. Where so, in Ireland is she from? Do you know, do you know what? My mum, is. she's such a strange character. I don't really know anything about right. my mum's past right. or her history or anything. Only this year I actually found some stuff out about her, which was quite intriguing. Like Her father was Armenian. And I'm still just delving into that now. So this is another yeah. whole world of information that I've not even... My mum's never spoke about. Um, yeah, her. so she was a lot younger than your father. Yeah, 25 years younger, right, something like that. Right, right. And what was it like for you growing up in, in school and all that sort of stuff? Were you um, well rebellious or were you... Well, my, my mum took me and my brother to South East London to an area called Avery Hill, predominantly white area then. Right. And obviously me and my brother mixed raced. Did you find it difficult there, racism and all that stuff? Well, well not really. I didn't. I didn't. I mean, really, London's kind of. I didn't personally feel it, but yeah. I, I could sort of sense that it was quite a different area. But being mixed race, it's not really bothered me that. Yeah. I've, I've sort of always been sort of on the fence, if they'd say, and not yeah. really didn't really affect me. In but I mean, I still think London is different from the rest of. Britain. I mean, if if anywhere is more sensitive to that i mean it still goes on i know but it's a it's a melting pot here yeah there's so yeah. many different sort yeah. of cultures here it yeah. was it was quite predominantly white there it, it, i've not really ever well personally i've never really felt um yeah. as that's been a problem for myself but obviously i can see how for a lot of people it is but is were you uh were you musical as a kid well, no, not really, because my mum sort of had learning difficulties and stuff like that, so right. she wasn't even really that really well prepared to even take me and my brother away right. from my dad, really. So yeah. I've pretty much, like, from the age of, like, eight and that, I've learned to cook. My mum couldn't cook, and my mum couldn't really do anything. So right. basically, I looked after my mum. So is your younger brother and yourself? Well, my younger brother got killed in a car accident. Oh, I'm sorry. Very soon after, oh, um, dear. she took me and my brother away. So I think my mum's had really quite Tough a hard, life. yeah, quite a hard life, and yeah, so she's really quite a mysterious. My mum, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, 
I think a lot of people's parents. You have to be about, independent, really. Yeah, early. Well, I've, well, I've been. You to grow up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, but I think that's molded me as a person. I believe that a lot of people force their opinions and their views on their children and mold them into a certain what they want to be. I pretty much have just brought myself up, made my own choices, not yeah. all of them amazing ones, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, so I think that has sort of made me the person. And when I look back on it, I feel quite thankful that that happened to me. And it's been a bit rocky, but yeah. it's like I'm. I'm thankful that, yeah. um, that um, it's funny it's a yeah. theme in a lot of people I interview because I didn't expect this theme to emerge but a lot of people are very independent from a young age a lot of only children a lot of children who have been left to kind of maybe fend for themselves or a lot of people who went this is not for me and I'm brave enough at a young age to rebel against mm. and go my own way yeah. Yeah. it's very interesting it's across the board and I I'm probably have to write a book about the people I've interviewed because yeah. there's some themes coming through that are, that are interesting and again part of the reason for the podcast is for people who are maybe in their teens to hear people like yeah, your story yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and insp- yeah. inspire them and so were you, were you part of the London sort of culture underground culture when you were a teenager did you like were you into football were you doing all that stuff or what um, I was well I was so actually no as it goes I wanted to be when I was young I would call it pre pre smoking weed right <laughs> I, I wanted to be Daley Thompson the athlete ah, yes I was like, yeah I wanted to be like an athlete and and Daley Thompson was one of my yeah. early sort of people I used to look up to. Do you know what I did? I when I was, and we're, I'm a bit older here in, in the in this conversation, but I did the uh, Lucasade ads with Daley Thompson way oh, back wow. in the see, day. I would have, see, I would have been in total order. Yeah, I'd have been yeah. like, wow, he was, <laughs> yeah, he was like. And then, so what? So as you're as you're in your teenage years, you're were you kind of a guy who said schooling is not for me or did you apply yourself or did you feel it this is just a well, in, in school I was I was always quite intelligent and bright but all my reports said Lincoln's got great potential but he's cheeky and disruptive and not necessarily yeah. really naughty yeah. but just didn't really want to apply one yeah, yeah apply yeah. myself I was like that yeah I was so like not, that. not really because there were some people who were really naughty but yeah. I wasn't actually yeah. majorly naughty I think there are people who can go I can do this and I don't really like it but I'll yeah. get through it and then there are people who really go after it and they're you know again another theme I've had people who go oh, you know. but I didn't with, with my mum I didn't really there wasn't anything for it because no, I can imagine a lot of parents want their kids to be footballers and I, there wasn't anything for me really pushed towards as a child so I think I was just trying to find my way then I was into skateboarding I would like to skate oh, okay. so, so the, the last active thing I really done before I took up smoking weed which was right. sort of totally did change my life quite a right. lot was I was quite a good skateboarder right. and that was something I wanted to follow but then I got in what did you say the, the wrong crowd I was so anti-smoking and stuff like yeah. that but I think from peer pressure of my friends and yeah. stuff like that when it comes like the, the acid house days and that uh, I got in with a, a sort of an older crowd of people I think it was the peer pressure of just feeling just, just left out a little bit. Yeah. So um, I started to smoke a little bit of weed and that. Yeah. So how did it change your life? Well, everything to do with sport, right. skateboarding, yeah. everything like that right. went out of my life. And then it was like the acid house days when the acid yeah. house parties started yeah. coming up. I was totally hooked on the music. Then there was, what was the show? Remember like before there was all these late night television yeah. programs. There yeah. was like the one on Channel 4. Jules Holland and... But there was the word and all. the word yeah, that was yeah. it. So that was your man of, from Manchester. What yeah. was his name? Yeah. Um, Andy Kershaw. Terry, Terry, Terry Francis. T- Terry, was it Andy no, Kershaw? Francis. Somebody Kershaw. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I see him interviewing someone on the telly the other day still about when Channel Four first came out. They was so edgy and so different from BBC and ITV. Yeah. Even like things like Brookside and stuff like that. And 
you know they were the first to show gay films and they were yeah. the first to show like they had a great sh a great show called After Dark where they bring in people this is yeah. inspired for me you know that they sit there talking but around even, even it was on so late four hours it yeah. was so amazing people would it was walk on out past and 12 o'clock yeah. like, wow yeah. this is I know, I know. late really really cool that but um, I would say the main thing what put me into in the music was when I was about 15 when DJing first came out yeah. a lot of my friends were all DJs budding DJs starting DJs got of bit of equipment and I was sort of there on the outskirts sort yeah. of just hanging about going to quite a lot of parties yeah telepathy and that so that was the big rave that we all really wanted to go to so we're late 90s now yeah yeah so we wanted to go to that and we all got our, got our stuff together got our, together, got our drugs to go and it actually shut on the night we went to go and it shut down and that was really quite upsetting <laughs> and then we started going to some other sort of clubs like Slammers in Gravesend and just doing right. quite a lot of raving like the Rat Pack and early drum and bass, hardcore and drum and bass. Um, Finishes at 10 in the morning. Yeah. Right. So we started collecting, or my friends started collecting records, but yeah. I was always sort of on the outskirts of that due to money and that. But really the one main thing what kicked me into, into my music career was when I was 15, my mum now went out shopping and I'd never see her for 15 years. So I just what? went shopping out of the house left me in the flat and she didn't even return. Like all my friends' parents were quite worried in that. And I was, I guess, yeah. and I was just like, well. Did you try and contact her? No, I didn't know what to do. I just thought, let me get over it. I went and got a job. Got well, I got about the rent and all that stuff. Well, what happened then was we was in a, a two bedroom place. Yeah. So the council evicted me, um, offered me a bed seat with a smelly bed in it, which I just went in there and said, look, I'm not going there. But I went back to the flat. Yeah. The guy who evicted me left his crowbar outside the door broke myself back into our own flat yeah. said I wasn't leaving and from that council then because obviously I was on the on the vulnerable list they give me yeah. a flat in the same block of flats that I live now right so well, okay. <laughs> so I've lived in the flat I lived in this block of flat for 25 years now basically I mean you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to but did your mum come back what happened well, to her did I, she just... I bumped into her because my mum's a bit mental I bumped into her like when I was 25-ish or something like that which was another whole ten years later, yeah. Yeah, two, yeah, about ten years later, which was which was another strange story. So let me just go go, go sure, let, yeah, yeah. let me go back to where I said because basically what made me go into, into the music was I was on a building site because I needed to support myself yeah. and that, and I was talking to one guy and I always remember I don't know who the guy was and he said to me, whatever you do in your life in your work you need to enjoy your job because you work 70% of your life Correct. and that has stuck in my mind then I got sacked for some reason because this guy pulled down my tracksuit bottoms because I, I was the youngest person yeah, yeah, there yeah, like, doing, yeah. I was doing like labouring and I was doing ceiling fixing and I was doing yeah. petitioning so I, I got myself like it was quite a good trade, trade yeah, you know yeah. I mean I was only quite good money for my age and then I got the sack and I thought you know what? I'm not going back to any of these jobs and the man said to me you need to do what you want and I thought what do I do I thought I enjoy going out I enjoy raving, I enjoy taking ease and stuff and listening to music and I thought well, that's not really a job is it? So where my friends were DJs I thought to myself what I'm going to do is I'm going to take up a music production course. Yeah. So I took up a music Great. production course which was free from the job centre. Yeah. One was production right. and one was the actual mechanics of it. Yeah. And then the guy said to me you're never going to get a job anyway in, in, in this because all the studios because that was when just as the studios were sort of just really sort of downsizing the music and, industry was collapsing yeah and yeah. all of the digital stuff was coming yeah. out so all these big desks yeah. and stuff like that so I applied for a job I think it was just on the verge of where mobile phones was about obviously yeah. I couldn't afford one so I've gone into the phone box called up about this job 
It was in a big studio in the West End called Matrix Recordings. It was like my dream job, but I yeah. wouldn't expect to get it. Got on the phone and said, have I got the job? And they said, yes, you got the job. I come out the phone box like that and bumped into my mum. Wow. So it was like from... That's the universe. It was so mental. So I just got the job of my life. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I couldn't believe it. And I've turned, literally got out of the phone box and turned around and my mum was standing there. That's creepy. And she was like, so where have you been? And I was just like, oh, I'd always... She said just, that to you. She said, yeah. She said, so where have you been? I just burst out into tears. It was yeah, quite emotional in that. I so, um, and then I started... And is she okay? Was she, okay? She had, so she had mental health issues, did she? Yeah. yeah. Is she okay yeah. though? Or? What? What did she say to you? Like, uh, I thought she said to me, where have you been? Right. She went, do you remember the cat? And I was just like, this is too much. And she just lived around the corner from the phone box. She, so she basically, she'd been living up the road. All the time? All the time. Did she just sort of forget or something? Mm. You don't know. Anyway, are you still, have you still a relationship with her? Not really. Let's just take a break and you can play one of your tracks. What yeah, one are you going to um, play for us? Well, this is I'm going to play. This is um, on my new label, now. Nah, no Speakers. It's an EP I've done with um, an artist called Dolly. So He's I've a big heavyweight DJ for yeah, Ibiza. Yep. So this is my remix of his track, Sonda El Pevos remix. Here we go.
very um it gets into your head like it's dreamlike you pick words i mean i'm thinking of l-a-l-i which i kind of listened to last night and i was like kind of just going with it that i sort of stuck in my head you know it's like really it's very interesting how do you describe your well, well, well that there, journey because i do the production so that yeah. so the words there was written by my friend dave who i work with right l-a-l-i is you might play that one later in the French for let's go yeah. so I'd say up to date now that is most probably my most successful track one I like the least why do you like it oh because you've it's just, it's just one of them things it's like if prior to this I was released like sort of my big break was from um, a close friend of mine Guy McCreary who runs a label called Third Ear so this is about 2010 you had your first solo release right yeah yeah. he used to come to the studio and pick the tracks I wouldn't have necessarily ever even picked that track and put it on a record myself, do you right, know what I mean? So yeah. he sort of picked that for me and it basically has just been my, my most successful track to yeah. date, to be quite honest. But when I play, I just play like an hour of my own music live and I've never ever played it. It's not, it's just one of them things. Is it because a lot of artists, particularly musicians I've talked to, they do have anthems and they go, I keep having to play the anthem and they kind of get a bit bored with it before oh, yeah, other people do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. And I think what it is, to me, it seems like it's quite, um, it's quite... It is mellow, yeah, yeah. It's quite yeah, dance, it it's quite yeah, dance yeah, tempo. Yeah, it's I mean, it's, it's, got, yeah. it's, it's a bit more relaxed yeah, than what I yeah. would... You prefer it bigger, I would prefer play in, in the club. I'll like, play something yeah. a bit more faster. So let's go back to the Matrix recording studio. So you're in that new job. A massive change for you. You've actually come up with an idea for your dream. You fucked off the builders. Yeah. And you've gone, I'm going to get into music. Yep. You fucking went away and learned about it. You got a fucking job on it. I know. Amazing. Yeah, yeah I know. It was, and, and to me, that just actually proves now, whatever you, whatever you, it was from that one thing that guy said to me. And I thought, why? Is he like an old builder or something? 
you know what? I can't remember what it looks like. Right. No, it's just what you just remember hearing it. I just remember it, and it's stuck in my mind so strongly. And I thought, I'm never going to go work. Never going to do this ever again. And I've not since, which is. It's, it's amazing how people get sent into our lives, you know, and yeah. and, and just just that passing little seeds get just, sown. And it wasn't even somebody who was working within my team; just some other dude on the yeah. site, just scratching yeah. about doing something. Every night he was doing reading the sun and smoking yeah, a cigarette, yeah, just and got, a yeah. break or something like that. And but quite often, it, and this is a, a thing that we do on this podcast, it's like looking back. And he might have just been looking back because he probably would have seen a young guy and gone, don't do what I did. You know he was I mean? mostly speaking from his, from his own experience. His own experience, yeah. yeah. And, and maybe There's a lot of people in the world who got pushed into jobs they hate. Yeah. And before they know it, they're 50. I'm yeah. 49 now. So before they know it, they're 50 and they go, where the fuck have the last 30 years yeah. gone? So it was amazing that you did that. So what was it like then getting into that sort of day job and, 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 and working in music and was it just well, it was really exhilarating cool, for you? Basically I, I had 24 hours on and 24 hours off right. so I used to only get paid like I think I used to get paid £60 a week and I had to travel from the West I had to travel to the West End So there's your £60 gone So there's pretty and then you had to get your dinner and your yeah. food yeah. and stuff like that so So you but you did grasp it with both hands yeah Yeah I grasped it with both hands but it's quite interesting because uh, I sort of survived that time by sort of getting stuff for the artists, getting their weed and stuff. So yeah, did you like, start off as a kind of runner in this place? Yeah, no, right. I only stayed there as far as a runner. I was there for about right. two years, but there was in the place, there was a shop as well. So right. but basically, I had the keys yeah. for the whole place. So I could go in and I had access to all this equipment, all the yeah. studios. Yeah. And could pretty much do what I wanted there. So yeah. then I could muck about the equipment yeah. and I got my little Atari and set it up in a big massive studio. Great. And then there was a separate business which was a shop inside the studio. Yeah. And due to cutbacks and that, I was the last person in. So I actually lost my job. But the people in the shop knew me as well. So then I got a job. In the shop? In the shop. Great. So I was basically going into the same place. And yeah. now I had the keys for the studio yeah. and for all the new stuff in the shop. So you're uh, also the people you met, right? Coming in and out of that studio. Yeah, I met, yeah. I, so I met um, Sugar Babes in there. I met Jarvis Cocker in there. Yeah. Uh, it's Club 7 in there. Yeah. Placebo, I met Manchild. Because it was sort of like... The guy had four branches, so this was the cheaper end of all of them. It was amazing stuff in there, but it was sort of like the... And then what was the thing that happened? Well, I got sacked from there, just because right. I kept on being late, do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, in the studio, I'd get there on a Monday, my shift would be until 10 o'clock the next day, right. but if the band wanted to stay overnight. You so have to it, be there. If they was there for an hour... So it was hard work. I could go, yeah, so yeah. I could, and you know, I had to tidy up, and, and the progression from that was to be a tape-op, to learn the equipment from the other people, mm. but I didn't really get that far due to um, having been downgraded to the job. Yeah. But when I was there, it was turned into like a sort of a, a shop job and speaking to people on the phone and that, and I don't really think that I really, I really enjoyed that. that as much, do you know what I mean? Cause I was, but you're still probably even subconsciously tipping away on that little seed that was um, not enjoying this yeah, not no, enjoying I, this I, I get find something but when I got then I got sacked from that and I remember it was a new year and they said if you're late again you're going to get sacked but right. I was like they're not going to sack me I didn't even turn up must have been out partying yeah. out my nut somewhere do you know what I mean yeah. for a new year turned up and I remember I was tears do you know what I mean I lost just a bit lost and I thought I've lost like this amazing opportunity of my life I was yeah. just back to square one I applied yeah. for some more jobs that I couldn't get them and then one of my friends who was one of my DJ friends was kind of like, let's go and rent a studio at, yeah. so we can go and make some music. Looking on me to do the engineering, synthesizers and samplers and stuff like that. So I've hired the studio at, 
went there and just worked out that I didn't know how to use none of this stuff. Really? Yeah. Like, I knew the basics about yeah. the recording, but actually producing music and that, I didn't really have an idea. I'd made right. a little beat on an Atari. The first Max was in there, and the only sound I got out of it was feedback going, Wee! and everyone was just looking at me through the glass, just like <laughs> laughing, thinking, who is this flash little shit? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> All the money I'd had left, I put into renting the studio out for 50 pound a day. And after about three months, I didn't have any more money. But the guy who ran it, he was sort of an older guy. Yeah. And he said, look, what you can do is, if you come and look after the place for me and Keep pay me 25 pound a week right. to have this stuff, you can do whatever you want in here, but right. you sort of, you're sort of here to keep the outside bit tight, like the little lobby tidy. He gave me the run of the place and that is where I sort of really learnt my craft. Just, I must have been in there solidly for about seven years, just in there every single day, just right. sleeping. And, and it was 10 minutes walk from my house as well. But that's some application as well, mm -hmm. just to, I mean, you know, you, you clearly, even losing that oh, job yeah, I was, super was probably a good thing. Yeah. I was so super determined. And when you look back on things, that was most probably, I could have ended up being a recording engineer, mm. being paid to record other people, but not actually making my own music. And yeah. if I really think about where I wanted to be, is where I want to be now, making my own music, producing my own music, not recording music for other bands and yeah. for other people, because there wasn't anyone, they was good mix engineers but they wasn't really creative being creative in any way yeah. or not as a job where does El Prevost come from was that a my name's Lincoln Prevost oh okay so so I, Prevost yeah. is, is Prevost. a name from my dad it's broken French Creole yeah okay it's a cool name so now you could be called like DJ Spider or DJ Ninja or something. And I, thought, I didn't really see myself with a name so yeah. I just put an E on the start of the name L. Prevost and I just couldn't think of anything else that was it's all that come to mind I thought you know what and I've never really thought that was an amazing name, but I've just stuck with it up until now, and that's and that's my production name now. So. Let's hear another one of your tracks. Which one are we going right, to hear now? Right nah, now, we've been speaking about it. This right. is "A Lay A Lie," which is first the one you have the love-hate relationship yeah, with. <laughs> yeah, um, my friend Dave Ham from the States put the voice on it. This is your breakthrough track. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, between the original and the CD and the remixes. This yeah. has been my biggest seller. My biggest seller, yeah, which I've mostly got the most profile from. This is Alayali.
2001 so this was in that studio yeah so this was so basically in this um trevor the owner of the studio he had a record label right then after coming through hardcore and then drum and bass and then jungle it went to uk garage that was where i really started producing my own stuff and he had like the, the manufacturing side of things covered so yeah. i started um links recordings as a label and i was working with wiley um, pay as you go crew. So you were making Kano. music for them. You're a producer. Yeah, I, You're a bona fide producer. I was producing the beats. Yeah. And they was working with people in the other rooms who yeah. were quite successful and they sort of see the stuff that I was doing so we like this. So obviously now Wiley's massive. Um yeah. I done sort of the Kano, the Pay as you go crew, right. Flow Dan. So a lot of the early Dizzy Rascal as well, right. didn't personally work yeah. with him, but he was in the room next door. So yeah. this was before any of these guys was on the telly yeah, or right. anything. We was just all there, just like, just 
obviously now these guys are out there you then set household you, names you, so you're setting up a label you then set up built in Britain right the, the UK garage it then went to grime that's when the trouble started coming to the clubs it was, it was getting angry it was getting angry and I felt that I didn't really want to have to go to these clubs and listen to my music there uh, yeah and I thought I'd sort of outgrown that scene a scene of people do you know what yeah, I mean yeah. I believe going out from the UK garage days it was all about uh nice girls and yeah. dressing up yeah. and stuff like that and when it went to that it turned to caps and trains and stuff like that and as much as I was into the music like the atmosphere in the clubs it wasn't a, 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 a vibe of it, it wasn't even that it wasn't even like the the, the the angriness of it it was just like just the clubs people standing about there was no dancing going yeah. on and I didn't really so then I broke out into someone I was working with one of his clients went to Ibiza brought back this idea of a tribal house and I was in a bit of limbo there what to do so I was making these beats still and releasing on the Lynx recordings, which mm. I'd, done, I'd done a good six or seven releases on that, right. which was quite a, quite a fair, on vinyl as well. This is before yeah. there was any beat port, yeah. any MP3 downloads. You'd get your records, yeah. you'd press them up, you'd take them around the shops, you'd yeah. sell them, you'd get the money back, yeah. and that was it. So it was yeah. just like selling weed. But I was a bit sort of in limbo, and then Dave's come back to me and said, my friend Dave Ramsey's right, let's, let's do this started making the tribal house yeah. and, and that was it and we started a label built in Britain maybe had like I think 12 releases on that or something all vinyl as well that was really what was my introduction into starting doing the house and right. the techno stuff we were talking again before we pressed record about just the travails of the music industry and how fucking hard it is to make money these days and but there is this thing, and I can feel it from you. Just keep making, you know, keep making art, you know, keep well, doing many, what you do. Many times I've just been up, but I think there was a big turning point where where the MP3 started coming out, yeah. and from that there, it totally just wiped out all of the vinyl yeah. sales. And there was 41. thank you very much, Apple. <laughs> yeah, thanks guys. <laughs> thanks Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> people thought they couldn't make any money anymore. They couldn't sell their records. What we're going to do? A lot of people, it was like the world had ended, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. like, and a lot of people just give up. They thought there was no money. Um, the guy Trevor funded me to do the links recording things. All these people just give up. There was like, there's no point in doing it anymore. So, no money in it. it yeah, there's no money. So it was just, uh, that was a where big were, turning where, point. Where was your head at when this was all happening? Um, well, I, I was just like, just keep pressing the records. Because yeah. Trevor, Trevor funded um, the links recordings, but yeah. built in Britain. Dave funded that, yeah. so so he's sort of coming as a. So a, these guys are, are are basically doing it as labors of love at this stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just pressing the records themselves. Yeah. The vinyl sales went down and down yeah. and down and down and down. And then and then it just I was determined. I said, you know what? Um, for me it was just like a pride thing. I always felt that an MP3, you've got nothing physical. Yeah. Another thing someone said to me: if as long as you leave something here physical, people to remember. Yeah. It's always there. People's not going to remember an MP3, do you know no, what I mean? Digital yeah. releases are yeah. in and out of just as a blink of a knife. If you've got yeah. a record there, yeah. there's still... With artwork. With and artwork, yeah, and it's a yeah, whole physical yeah, thing that people yeah. can look at, and it's, it'll be there mm, forever. forever. Yeah, well, it's also Pretty for much. you, it's a it's a sign of oh. your progression as an artist. Mm. Yeah. For yourself, yeah. if nobody yeah. else. I've not even I mean? got half the records myself, yeah. I've even made, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But they're collector's items now. Yeah, yeah, but now I'm looking back on discos and people still want to buy these. Yeah. I haven't even got a copy myself. And, and I've noticed now that everything's got a 10-year cycle. But I'd say I've been through two 10-year cycles now. Everything's coming back from clothes to music. Yeah. Everything just There's also to the always going to be a, 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 a hardcore of people who want to protect stuff like this and make mm. sure it doesn't die fully. Yeah. You'll probably find there are people who'll spend an extra 50 bucks or 50 pounds or whatever just yeah. to 
because I know that they're supporting it's almost it's like a cottage industry it's yeah. become a cottage industry away from uh, music what's your view on the world I think it's just too much consumption everybody just wants everything now yeah. but I do really feel now that people's con there is, there's a big change and, and as much as the news wants to make us believe that everything is shit obviously the, the 3 million people who run the world they just want to how can they control the rest of the world only by council tax and yeah. wars and just by holding people down making people live in fear and I think this is their game but I do believe now people are getting more conscious do you know what I mean about the I environment agree. I agree and, and actually technology even though it's fucked up the music industry is a thing that can help people galvanise you yeah, know we're, no, in co we're in contact we can yeah. get you know yeah. It's e even like with the music, the internet has, it, in, in one way, it's made the sales go down, but then it's made it possible for the, for, for the small person to get on a computer yeah. in a house, make a hit and get it out there. So yeah. in the 70s, and sound engineer was someone who wore a white coat, like a doctor. Yeah. Now people are the producer, yeah. the artist, everything's all the in The lines mind. are so, blurred, yeah. Yeah, so I think now it is, there's pros and cons of everything, but personally, um, I'm thinking the world is changing for the better people are becoming a lot more aware people think it's all dim and gloom but i personally believe that it things are looking up and it is positive and you only make things as as positive as your outlook do you know what i mean the darkest hour is the hour before dawn yeah yeah, yeah. last question what would you say to the 15 16 year old self if you could go back and speak into his ear i would say follow your dreams Follow your dreams and you can do whatever you feel like you can do. If you put enough effort into it and you've got enough passion for it, anything is possible. Perfect. Play us out with one more of your tracks and thanks for being on the show. Um, this is Surreal For Real. Dave Ham again, a long friend. I've not seen you for a while, Dave, but um, yeah. Here it is. Best of luck in your career. Keep making art. Keep following your dreams. Thank mate. you for the, the opportunity. Brilliant.
Surreal, surreal. 